Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Mr. Mayor. We are back. Perfect. Okay. Good evening, everybody. I am Michael Udine, the mayor of Broward County. I'm reading exactly what they told me here, so. <laughs> Tonight, the Broward County Board of County Commissioners will conduct public hearings on the proposed millage rates, budgets, and special assessments that will support county services during fiscal year 2023. This is the first of two public hearings as required by law. The purpose of the hearing is to receive comments regarding the county's budget, tax rates, and special assessments, and to provide information on the budget and proposed amendments. The public hearings will be conducted in three sections. The first section will include public hearings on countywide and Broward Municipal Service District area millage rates and budgets. The second section includes public hearings on proposed special assessments for fire and garbage collection in the Broward Municipal Service District area. The third section will include public hearings on the millage rates and budgets for the county's dependent water control district, districts. An agenda listing all the items to be discussed and the order of the items is available at the entrance. If you are interested in addressing the Board of County Commissioners about an item on the agenda, Please register with a county staff member at the entrance of the commission chambers. County staff is also available at the entrance to answer any questions about the county's budget and taxes. If anyone has questions about property value assessments or exemptions, the property off appraiser's office can be reached at 954-357-6830, martycare at bcpa.net or the property appraiser staff is available in room 111 on the first floor of this building from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. The last day to file an appeal with the Value Adjustment Board to challenge your assessment is September 19th. With that introduction, let's begin. So they don't have it in, in the notes here, but I'd like to introduce the county commission. We normally do that here. so. I know we have Commissioner Moskowitz on the phone, I think. Uh, uh, Commissioner Beam Furr is here, Senator Nan Rich, Vice Mayor Lamar Fisher, Senator Steve Geller, Commissioner Ryan is around here somewhere, and Commissioner Mark Bogan. And we are all present and we all have worked diligently with county administration on this. Yes. The fiscal year 2023 tax rates certified for the notice of proposed property taxes result in a 9.63 aggregate increase in property taxes when compared with the taxes generate from the aggregate rolled back rate. The rolled back rate generates approximately the same amount of taxes as the prior fiscal year plus taxes generated from new buildings added to the tax roll. The aggregate millage rate of 5.5631 as compared to an aggregate rollback rate of 5.0746, includes all ad valorem taxes levied by the county and its dependent districts 
except for voted debt service taxes. This aggregate millage rate is the basis for the state required advertisements concerning the budget and taxes. The rollback millage rate and the percent change in property taxes are based on the assessment role certified by the property appraiser. Okay, the public hearing is now open on, on the general county millage rate and budget. The proposed millage rate for general county purposes as advertised on the notice of proposed property taxes exclusive of debt debt service is 5.5306, which represents a 9.66% increase in property taxes as compared to a rollback rate of 5.0433. The proposed millage rate for voted debt service is 0.1384. When combining the above two elements, the proposed millage rate for all general county purposes, including debt service, is 5.6690. That is the same as the millage rate last year. I would like to introduce our county administrator, Monica Sapero, to provide an overview of the proposed county budget and millage rate. Monica, you have the floor. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Today we are presenting a budget for fiscal year 23 totaling $6.92 billion which is 175.1 million more than fiscal year 22. The operating budgets reflect an increase in the amount of 534.3 million, largely due to increases in the airport, Port Everglades, transit and tourist development program, returning to more normal activity levels, more flights, more cruises and greater hotel average daily rates. It also reflects a decrease in the capital budget of $474.7 million, largely due to the Convention Center expansion project in Convention Center Headquarters Hotel having been budgeted in fiscal year 2022. Finally, there is an increase in the debt service budget of $115.5 million, reflecting recent bond financings. <clears throat> the general fund budget proposed for fiscal year 23 totals $1,650.1 billion, which is an increase of $164.7 million. The general fund budgets for constitutional officers, including the Broward Sheriff's Office, property appraiser, supervisor of elections, and clerk of courts, increase by $45.1 million. Tax increment payments for municipal redevelopment continue to grow due to an increase in the tax rolls. The most significant changes for the coming year is an increase in reserves by $10 million for future debt service for county facilities, a $11.77 million reserve for ad valorem tax revenues to safeguard against economic trends over the next two years, and an increase of $11.5 million for the annualized cost of consolidated dispatch. To support the general fund, the certified property tax roll increases 10.74% when compared to the roll used for the adopted fiscal year 22 budget. However, we do not anticipate this level of growth to continue. The fiscal year 23 total millage rate remains the same as fiscal year 22, with a slight decline in debt service millage and a corresponding increase dedicated for general capital projects. This shifting with the same total rate will help the county maintain the property tax supported capital program. With over $2.8 billion in tax supported assets, it is essential we ensure that our investments are adequately maintained in the future. 
More importantly, we look to these capital projects to be major jobs stimulus, particularly with the board's focus on supporting local businesses which hire local residents. It should be noted that county taxes make up less than one quarter of the overall property tax bill. The increase in assessed value for homestead property owners is capped at 3% for fiscal year 23, and generally, homestead taxpayers will experience a slight increase in county taxes. For other properties, the change in the assessed value of each property will determine how much the property taxes will change. The final public hearing to adopt the county budget and tax rates is scheduled for September 20th. Thank you, uh, Ms. County Administrator. We have 11 speakers that have signed up that I have. We have 12 speakers. Um, am I supposed to go in the order that is written up here? Okay. So I'm going in the order that they gave me these. Um, and then how, how long do they get to speak? Three minutes? Everyone gets three minutes to speak? Three minutes? Okay. Fabulous. The first speaker is Tazia Hall. Come on down. And then on deck is Helene O'Brien. So first we have Tazia Hall. Please. Is someone working the clock? We are going to use our most esteemed county attorney is going to actually be the <laughs> clock person. That's how important this is. Go ahead. Hi, good evening, Your Honored Commission. My name is Tazia Hall. My mother here is with me, Sonia Delshan. We are Broad residents at 10453 Southwest 17th Court, Miramar, Florida 33025. Dear County Commission, thank you for having us here today and giving us the opportunity to contribute to the dialogue of setting a sustainable budget for Broward County and the city of Miramar by extension. Um, we have been residents for over 24 years and lately we have been concerned about the steady rise in property taxes the last few years. Um, I would like to present some facts and figures that would help balance the budget for all of us and just to kind of state what it's been like on our end as well. So um, when we first moved into our home back in 96, uh, the property tax was 700 a year because there was pretty much nothing here yet. But now it has skyrocketed to you know, over 4,470 according to the 2022 assessment notice. In 2021, our household's gross annual income was 15,541, that's between the two of us. Maintaining our, maintaining our property and cost of living added up to 26,688 last year. So when we subtract the cost of living from our income, we are living in the negative with negative 11,147 less to pay. We have had to go into debt, live on assistance, or rely on the kindness of others, borrowing up to $2,300 to make up this difference. We also have at least $18,000 worth of house repairs like a broken window, leaking foundation, hairline cracks, damaged light fixtures, leaky plumbing, mold, damaged appliances, ripping out filthy old carpeting and reflooring the entire house for better air quality. As it stands, we cannot afford to implement these repairs. Instead, we have to survive month to month. We also have to watch our house deteriorate while all these new apartments that we could never afford to live in spring up in our area. Last year, my 75-year-old mother, Sonia Delshan, had to withdraw $1,550 from her 401k in order to meet the property tax deadline. She now has only $500 left in her 401k. So we are sacrificing our futures and retirement funds to meet a yearly tax. Um, at this rate, my mother will have to continue dipping into her 401k and working into her 80s. 
She just got out of the hospital in July 2022 and is still recovering from the stress, as am I. It's outrageous and I can only see this driving us another residence towards homelessness. I'm, so, I'm just sorry we didn't speak up sooner till now. Please understand that as a resident, I fully understand the need to pay our taxes to keep everything running. I want to pay my taxes, but I need reasonable taxes from a balanced budget. As it stands, the system does not take into account the residents' actual income and cost of living. Our wages pay our taxes, not our house's market value. The market value is irrelevant variable to the actual cost of running our services because the house itself generates no revenue. In fact, it absorbs it. The budget should be set according to what the residents can actually afford. Instead of setting a budget, then forcing the residents to meet it under threat of a lien. Thank, thank this you. This forces residents to, residents to live in a constant state of insecurity. So, honored commissioners, please correct this method of budget calculation so we can work together effectively. Thank you very much. I appreciate you coming out. Senator Geller raised his hand. Thank yeah. you for hearing me. Very quickly, two, two questions. Wait, don't go. Um, number one, um, first, by the way, you're an excellent speaker. I just wanted to tell you that. The, um, have your do you own that house? Yes. Because your taxes should have been going up. I don't know, can't tell you about from 25 years ago, because I don't remember what year we passed Save Our Homes, but yeah. at least over the past 10 or 15 years, it should the value should have been going up at a maximum of 3% per year. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? Have you looked really at that? I can't really say because as of now it says our market value is um, 403390 But you're not charged on your market value. You should have a save our homes value, mm -hmm. which only goes up at most 3% a year. Mm -hmm. And for many years it hadn't gone up. Mm -hmm. So you should take a look at that. And number two, I want to ask the county administrator. County administrator, I, I believe because the what we're hearing, I, I believe we have a fund to help people that in order to stay in their home that can help make repairs and things of, like that to our home. Is that correct? Can you ensure that somebody will reach out to the speaker? Because it's, I mean, I, I, it tugs at our heartstrings and we hear stories like this. I, I, I don't think it's because we're raising taxes because we're not, but uh, nonetheless, you, you're, the story you're telling is still certainly an issue and can I ask county administrator if you can have someone reach out to her we certainly will and do we have her contact information on the card I did put my number okay yes. we will absolutely okay. reach I appreciate out. Someone will I, reach I have out called the county on this okay. before and they couldn't refer me to any commissioner so. thank you yes. that, mayor just maybe just to follow up on Commissioner Geller's uh, point is also the city of Miramar might have some right. home funds too. I call them too. Okay, to, for, for repairs. Okay, thank you. Mayor, can I ask? You, I'm going to put you in the queue. Thank you. Tassi, just say one second. You've attracted all of our interest. Yeah, exactly. You did attract all of our interest. And much of uh, Commissioner Geller said many, many things I was thinking, but Miramar does have ship funds and home funds. So you may have to be asking particularly what you're, so they know what you're asking for. It's home rehabilitation, home rehabilitation funds that are available, uh, particularly if, you're, if it's in your mom's name, she's a senior, um, and she should be able to get those home rehabilitation funds that, are, that serve as a grant as long as you stay in the house for over 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not gonna fall under the county in this case, but it will fall under the city. So. Please contact us after that and, and let us direct you toward that. 
Thank you. Okay. Well, who, who do I contact? Com I'm sorry. Commissioner Bogan. Where, oh. where is it, where? No. I'm sorry. Where? Just contact me. You you okay. Let me know from there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give the card back to Monica that has. A, we have it. We you have, have it already. We've got so it. So I'm not going to give this back yep. to Monica. What city do you live in? Miramar. Miramar. Okay. You know, I just want to ask one question. So you're you're here before county commission. Yes. What What are you looking for? What What you're here for? To send? Is it to donate raise taxes? Are you looking for the county to provide any other services? What are you looking for? I'm looking for a way to just be able to sustainably live, you know, because um, there are a few factors also that are out of my control. You know, it's also being able to find work that's a living wage, things like that. But it would be really helpful if we could just get Do you need job assistance? That would be great, too. What's the name of that organization? Uh, OIC? Yes. So, so there's an organization I, that I have worked with Broward Career Source, but they weren't able to find anything really in my area. I've even worked with vocational rehab. We can say something. Mark? Yeah, I was just going to say we have her contact information, and we're going to make sure that any services that she may be in need of, that we can at least put you in the right hands. Yes. We have other organizations that can help with jobs. So there's one called OIC, and is it? So so. Please be persistent, and if you don't, you know, if you don't have satisfaction, you can always call us. We're, you know, we have, our numbers are available, and give us a call. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank very you much. so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Helene O'Brien. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, <laughs> purple's my favorite color. Um, uh, my name is Helene O'Brien, and I lead Florida 32BJ um, SEIU, the union that organizes and represents security officers, janitors, and airport workers. I want to first start by thanking County Administrator Monica Sapero and her team for their willingness to meet with us. Um, and we commend the administration and the commissioners for recognizing the need for workers covered by the living wage law to have paid time off. Um, but the administration's proposal still 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 falls short on the wage rates, especially given the dramatic rise in costs in South Florida. But I am going to address first and foremost our concern about the health insurance for Broward County's, County's security officers. Um, Broward County's contracted security officers participate in a high quality and affordable union health plan thanks to this county commission and the living wage law. The, this employee-only plan includes a primary care and urgent care network here in Broward County that is extremely affordable and accessible to them. And this has enabled these lower wage workers to access high quality medical care, some of them for the first time in their lives. Because the Broward Living Wage Law has a cap of 3% on any annual increases, it has not kept up with the actual cost of the health insurance. That is why we were originally proposing to the county the, that you follow the rates set in the Federal Service Contract Act, which is $4.80 per hour um, for benefits. And the county's proposed living wage rate for 2023, though, is only $3.65 per hour. And the security officer's health insurance rate in 2023 is $4.06. That is why we are asking you to amend the living wage law health care differential for 2023 to $4.06. Even at the new living wage rate the county is proposing, full-time security officers will only be making around $35,000 a year before taxes. These officers cannot afford to have their health insurance costs go up or worse, have them lose it altogether. 
We urge this board to help security officers keep their health insurance by raising the health care differential rate in 2023 to $4.06. And I have 40, 39 seconds to spare. So. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I practice. Commissioner Bogan with a question. You're asking to raise to 404 from where? 406. Well, uh, this year it's 354, and the proposal, I believe, is to go to 365. And we're saying it should go to 406. So you're looking for a 50 cents increase? 52 cent increase per hour instead of, it's 41 cents increase above the proposed number, if I understand the proposal okay. right now. Where do you get that number from? The 365 or no, the, the 404? The 406 is from, 406. Our, from our health fund. The actual health insurance. I, I, I don't understand. And we looked well, at the count. Wait, stop, oh, stop, stop. Yeah. Why not 390? Why not 450? What, where, where do you get this number? The, our, the number? health insurance basically looks at the actual costs of, of the insurance and how, how much it costs. And the challenges are, are always, it's always a little challenging because of an hourly system, right? So if someone is out sick, unpaid, they're not getting paid and their money isn't going into the health fund. Right, so after the, the um, I don't know what the, the terminology is for the fund and the analysts have looked and they've set the rate for 2023 to be $4.06 an hour for full-time workers. And so that's, that's where we're stuck with. Thank yeah. you. Can I just, yeah. county administration. So I know that we had the workshop on this. Where, so tell me what we present, where did we, what did we do with this living wage this year? So in the, in the recommended budget you have in front of you, there is a $15 per hour um, increase from 1402 right. uh, per, per hour for non-security guards okay. and a $1717 per hour for security guards. Um, and that's also up from the uh, original amount. So of what? we've got, and I, I need to get the exact number of what it was increased, but I know that the number was calculated at 22.5% increase on security guards of what the current right. security guard rate is. And so I remember you explained guards. this to us when we had this workshop. So we, you said we were going to go up like 22% higher than what the living wage ordinance allowed. So I want to make sure that you're actually doing, we're doing that. We're not lowering that number. Because I correct. know that there was some, that's in the budget to go to that higher number that you mentioned. That is correct. Okay. It's a, a seven, it represents a 7% increase in the base rate for non-security right. guards and a 22% increase for the security guards um, per hour for for this living wage uh, component. Thank you. Mayor, I can, if uh, I can just, yes. so the 1717, so I need Monica to hear this. So, uh, you know, th their organization is claiming that the 1717 was, should have been uh, implemented a year ago and it wasn't. Can you, can you yeah, explain? Can so explain. they're really not getting an increase because it was supposed to be implemented a year ago. I don't understand. Can you explain so, that? So, and I was just uh, confirmed with the, the dollar amount. So that increase that I was referring to, the 1717, was also at 1402. So it was both of them were 1402. We, we recognized the two-tiered approach that was being requested. So we are proposing a from 1402 to $15 for the non-security guards and from 1402 to 1717 for the security guards. What they are referring to, I believe, um, was uh, a conversation that you all had on the dais where you directed us to go to 1717 for security guards at the airport and the seaport only. only. It wasn't for all security guards for general government and general fund. And so what this budget has is for all security. So it's not just 
which you guys had narrowly discussed as a port and airport. It's, I've expanded it even larger to all security guards. But why, why the issue of it was supposed to be implemented last year, and then they're saying it wasn't, so by saying we're giving it to you this year, saying, well, we should have had it last year, and we didn't have it last year. I, I don't understand. So you all directed us to go back and negotiate and to look at that, and then you guys also had agreed to look at put the conversation on hold for moving forward on the rest of it right. so that you have the larger living wage conversation, which is what we've been doing all this time. Um, and working with them and then putting it in the budget. But just to follow up, what you have in your budget this year is the 1717. That is correct for all security guards. And that's where it's staying. It's not going lower than that. That's, I'm not okay, proposing I'm not voting to. for a budget actually, if that number goes down. So if you're telling me that number's in there, then I would vote for it. I'm voting for that's it. That's correct. Okay. Mayor, just to finish, so they're asking now for 406 on the health. Um, why, why did the administration feel that wasn't the right, a good number? So when we, when we look at the, the budget impact, right, um, we're looking at that as, as well as what we subsidize our own county employees' health insurance. And so when you look at it on a per hour basis per our employees, that higher number, from what I understand, I don't have it right in front of me, but the higher number is higher than what we were um, put proposing per hour no. per employee. So Helene is claiming Yeah, that's so not we true. looked, so you have more options. You have a lot mm -hmm. more options in health insurance, which we understand. For, the, for these workers, there's one plan. It's employee only. Um, for your main plan, when we did the math this year, if, you, if your workers work 40 hours, it's 402. And I'm sure it's, I imagine, because medical inflation and health insurance goes up more than 3% a year, I'm sure yours is going up to more. You com you're comparing our plan to the high deductible plan. Most of these workers are older people, and they are not going to put in $2,000 into it and pay the first several thousand dollars to get health care. This, this is a small plan, and it's a finite cost, and that's what we're, we're asking. A small plan? What do you mean? How many people? I mean, no, I mean, it's a big plan. Uh, I mean, it runs, it's like over 150,000 families, but here's employee only so you're, for the security officers. So you're it's not apples to apples of what they're Exactly. It's apples to apples to the plan that we looked at that you have for 2022 online, which looked like it was 402 an hour for your employees for 2022. And, and, and we're saying it will be 406 in 2023. I don't have your, your new numbers. So. And so just to follow up, Mr. Mayor, um, the, the cost we have... Um, 85, if not higher, percent of our all of our employees are in that plan. So it's not that it's one of our options. It's the predominant. So plan all your that we your have. employees take the high deductible That's plan. That's correct. And you put the first $1,200 into that high deductible plan, correct? Right. So. That's, it's, it's just hard to compare. So the first $1,200 in the high deductible account is from the county, which is a wonderful plan. You should be proud of that. I'm not even trying to criticize it. I'm just saying that we finally have a plan for low-wage officers that's working, thanks to you, and the cost, because of the limited, is to 406. And, um, and it's been, yeah, so anyway, it's challenging with the hourly rate, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would like to see us, uh, it, does, it does not sound equitable to me, I mean, uh, and, and it's, in, it's in, 1717 is not a living wage anyway, so let's just start with that. I mean, you, you can't get the affordable housing you need and all the other necessities with that amount of money, okay? I mean, we have 
statistics that show from Dr. Murray and others that you need to be earning $28 an hour. So obviously that's not happening. But at least we could, since we have not moved this up from the 1717 that we did discuss over a year ago, um, that we could at least match the uh, the amount that's in the uh, that, that our employees are getting, or at least go to this four dollars and six cents, because the healthcare costs keep going up, and we want you know to be able to offer these these people to be able to have healthcare. So I, I I think we need to consider moving that up, and I'm willing to make a motion to do that. Helene, is it is that what they are? Asking right now, the 406. The health insurance. For the yes. Yeah, they're saying they're giving us the projection. So for 2023, it's 406. Okay, and that and that would be for all the workers. Yeah, for everyone in the health fund. Because, because who that, has the basic plan? This is our most basic plan, and you yeah. You were saying there was one plan, but are there two plans? Um, in in Florida, there's only one: the basic health plan, employee only. That and, we have. and who and who who runs this plan? It's the uh, trustee, it's a Taft-Hartley fund where employers are on it. We don't have anything really to do. I mean, it's a, there's employers on the board and union reps on the board, and then basically they keep, we have a very narrow network. We keep costs down. It's a Taft-Hartley fund. It's a Taft-Hartley fund, yeah. Okay, all right. So, so this the, is not so me coming up with the number. So you don't, so you don't, <laughs> I promise. you don't negotiate with them? No, no, it, it, the employers do, they just do, they actually just look at the analysis and the costs and how much it costs. So they just true it up? They, kind what, of. What does true it up mean? But yeah, they, they figure out the math and they told us per hour for full-time workers in 2023, it's going to be 406. Okay. So, yeah. Um, with that, I actually think we probably should probably get, try, try to go to that. Um, I know the other the other ones may be hard hard to get to, but this is you know we've just been through a pandemic. Uh, we know how important it is, to, and and we've we've made that decision that um, we're in, we're insisting that they take this. And we're we're not giving them the option of take this or a higher wage, and and I think it's a good idea because it's keep it's allowing it's making sure that all of our workers have. Healthcare and good healthcare, um, and and you know we've seen what happened. We we know how important it is, more so than we've ever need. I know this is you know I've looked through all this stuff and I can't see the economic impact on it. I've seen economic impact on the living wages, but I don't see it on the health cost, and it, it I didn't see it included in this. Um, you know obviously I'd like to see that. Uh, but I think it's something we should probably consider. It so, looks like it would be a 41 cents more than the increase. Um, but, it, but it is making sure that everybody has good health care. County admin. So I've got some figures, but it's not matching up to what the new request is because we had based it on some other requests that had been made, and so now it's a little different from, okay. what, from what I had. So um, it's probably in the $2 million range um, for sure. this. Okay. And, Change, and I, guess, I, I need to verify that. But okay. I'm, I'm but but I guess but if we don't do that, I don't I don't know how they get it. I'm not sure because what would happen if what happens if we would? I hate to say we'd probably have to. They'd lose the health care. They'd have to go some. We'd have to change the union benefit, which is really high quality, not fancy, limited network, but high quality. They would, we wouldn't be able care. to keep doing it. Yeah, so 
Otherwise, they have That's to go back to the Affordable Care Act. Care Act. And some which of is our, kind of what we tried yeah. to right. move Especially, them from. Yeah. And if we're going to be consistent and try to keep them there, then this is what it would take. Okay. Senator Rich. You. Okay. Okay. Um, I have Vice Mayor. Yeah, Hilly, just a couple of yeah. Commissioner for answering one of my questions, what the cost analysis was for the additional 41 cents. You think it's about $2 million? Roughly. I, I, again, it's different numbers than what I had uh, costed out because the, the proposal has changed. But So where does the $2 okay. million, where are we taking the $2 million out of? That's really what we have to... Right. That's what I was trying to figure yeah. out, where the dollars are going to come from. And number two, Helene... It's called reserve. Okay. Helene, um, okay. you know, there's always... I remember talks about whether they can opt out or they... Would this be mandatory? In other words, would they... See, I, I want... I, I, yeah. What we don't want to happen is we pay them the 406. Right. And then they don't get the health insurance. It's... And they go, are we able to yeah, mandate so, it, Helene, or...? Well, it, um, the security officers are mandated. They're 100% in the fund. Um, what happens is when you do an hourly, sometimes the workers don't have enough hours to pay, the, even, if they're, even if it's a 406, some people. So if you're, like, most of the airline contractors work less than 32 hours because it's always flight, late flights, and so they never schedule people for 40. So at 32 hours, you can't be in the the plan. So it is complicated. So the, 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 the security officers are the ones that are 100% wall-to-wall in the plan. So there could be, you know, that as well, if you wanted okay. to right. do Thank that. So let's bring that to you. Time. Yeah. Senator Geller. Uh, I'm maybe premature in, because there hasn't been a motion yet, but, uh, okay. I thought you said you were going to make a motion. So, okay. The, um, I think that respectfully we should probably delay this till the next meeting where we have data in front of us as to, I think we should instruct the county administrator today to run the numbers, tell us how much it would cost to speak with Helene, um, and then come back at our final budget hearing and let me, from a procedural viewpoint, I assume we can do that. We can still make the change at the next meeting. Is that correct? Yes, until okay. it's adopted. Uh, as I, I think all of you know, I hate negotiating from the dais. <laughs> I just don't think that that is good policy. I've opposed this on whether it's on salary, on contracts, on virtually anything else. I hate negotiating from the dais. I think that the issue raised is certainly one that should be explored and that, uh, you know, I think that instead of a motion to adopt something that we don't know how much it's going to cost and where it's going to come from, we should be directing the county administrator to talk to Helene. Uh, I still believe in collective bargaining. Um, and hope that there can be some collective bargaining over the next two weeks. But um, I would like to know how much it's going to cost, who it would apply to, because right now we've had some discussion whether it applies to full-time or part-time people, where that money would come from, 
I'm hoping we can find that someplace else because I am very, very concerned about dipping into our reserves when we know this is our last good year because this is the last year that we have federal funds. And you all have heard my concerns about increasing permanent increases because of temporary surplus, which is what I'm afraid we're in. But so I guess I would like to, unless Senator Rich agrees, I'd like to amend her motion to ask the county administrator, instead of adopting something, to ask the county administrator to report back to us at our next budget hearing. And I specifically would like to know what the county fiscal impact will be, which employees this will apply to, whether it's full-time people, because I share Commissioner Fisher's concern about increasing, we say, well, we have to increase because of health insurance to people that aren't going to be buying health insurance. So, you know, let's figure out who it would apply to, how much it would cost, where you would be getting that from, at least those three items, and anything else that you think is permanent, is pertinent, not permanent. And I would also <laughs> ask you to speak with um, Helene in the meantime. To, to discuss this matter. Senator Rich, would that be okay with you or do you want me to, do we need no. to do that as an amendment? Well, I, I'm, I'm really not comfortable with not doing something today. I mean, okay. I feel, uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, you, you, you said uh, it's $2 million. I, I, I don't know that to be the exact number, Senator. I don't have the proposal until today. Is it, is it gonna be $5 million? Is it gonna be 2.1 million? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know. just, I feel like, so, we, we're always delaying whatever it is that we do when it comes to the union being up here and asking for this. We've delayed the 1717. I don't, I, I, you know what, I understand you're saying it was only supposed to be for airport, whatever. I had a different understanding about that. But we're, we're always delaying, and these people are not able to access quality health care if we're not going to fund the minimum amount that the, that the plan is asking for. So, uh, I, you know, it's, it's to me, I would like to uh, at least make the commitment that we are going to do this and we'll work out the details later. I'm sure you'll bring them back to us and if they're anything different, then we can, we can look at it. But it, it just gets stymied and, and it just doesn't, you know, happen. That's, that's okay. my own. So in that case, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to move to amend. When, when the time's right, we'll, okay. we'll get you. So I'm gonna, I still, there's a few more people that wanna be writing this. And what I thought we were going to, what we said when we had the workshop and we went through all this is that we were going to try not to do all this on the dais because we were doing this on the fly. So, you know, this was, we were, we were all presented with this at the workshop because I share the ones, I, I, we can pay whatever we need to pay to make sure that this, everything works out health insurance wise. I know I had heard that this number was coming down. So I'm glad that we're staying at the 1717 that's in the budget. So. But the money's got to come from somewhere. And, you know, like this young lady who spoke before that, she wants to see her taxes going down. And we did speak, and, and we said specifically as a board that this was a year when there were flush with, we were flush with dollars from federal COVID funds and from property values going through the roof. And we were putting some of those dollars into reserves. Otherwise, I think there would have been more of a drumbeat to lower the millage rate to give the people that are paying all the bills here in this county a little bit of financial relief. I want everybody to get paid what they're gonna get paid. Um, but we didn't talk about that in the overall scheme of everything that we were doing. We said 
when that came up with the millage thing that as long as we were keeping those in the reserves, I kind of backed off what I said, but otherwise I would reiterate that. The, we're at a point now where I, I was just interviewed by a news reporter this in between our last meeting. Our property values are going through the roof. People are paying more in taxes. We can talk about whatever the millage scheme is with the state and how we do this. But people want to see their tax burdens being lowered. They're getting priced out of their homes. There's no affordable housing because they're paying for everything. And this is only one element of all that. So I'm with you. If we can do it, let's do it so that we get paid. But I don't think this is the way to do it right here. The way to do it is come back. What does this mean for our regular employees? We try to do parity with them. We just voted on that this, after, this afternoon. We may have to break. It should be the same. The point, we, the point we made, Senator, the point we made at the workshop was we want our employees to get the paid what they can get paid. We can't fill the jobs we have in the county. You can't fill the jobs you have. If there's different parity and we need to pay our employees in the county more, there's jobs. This young lady said she made $15,000 last year. That's a far cry from $37,500. I'd like to figure out a way to hire that young lady at $37,500 that just spoke. So there's a lot more to this than, than doing this in the fly in the dice. Commissioner Bogan. Senator Geller, um, what I think the, the one thing you're missing, what you're presenting is we're not negotiating from the dais. Negotiating means I say one thing, you say another, we can't negotiate. We're not looking to negotiate. We're not asking the account the administrator to negotiate. We're asking her to raise it to par to where our employees are at. Uh, to my understanding, we're asking to raise to 406, and that's where our current, uh, no. no? Okay. That was, that's the request. I just don't know what our Okay. So, so, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not, so, I wouldn't be asking the administrator to negotiate. I'd be saying if this number is an accurate number, but what, what are they asking for? The most important thing that somebody needs is health care. Without your health, you have nothing. And I don't care what we, we have nonprofits calling us, we have nonprofits calling us asking for money. We have everybody in the world asking for money. The most important thing, I'm sorry, I'm going back to health, is health. And, and so, um, you know, I just, I, I I, um, I think we should be directing our county administrator to to see um, how we can come to 406. And we're not talking in a six six point nine billion dollar budget. I can't imagine if it's two something million that this is going to have any type of impact on us. But you know, I, I just we're not negotiating. I don't think we should be. She's going to come back at 401, and she's going to come back at 403. And I mean, like, where's the negotiation? I think. If, if, the, if she could demonstrate, if Helene can demonstrate the number 406 is the accurate number, then, then what do we negotiate? Right. Senator. Thank you. Ms. Mayor, I'd like to offer an amendment to the Senator Rich motion. And I partially described it, but Senator, uh, Commissioner Bogan just further, you know, I think furthered my point. I believe your statement was if 406 is the right number, other than what Helene has told us, and I like Helene, yeah. and I haven't seen her calculations, we don't know if that, in fact, is the right number. We don't know exactly who this is applying to. We don't have really any of the actual facts here to reach a decision. I'm not saying we should postpone this till next year. 
I'm saying um, this is my amendment. It is a substitute, I guess, to say that we should direct the county administrator to talk to Helene, you know, collectively bargain or whatever you want to, or just get any information because I think what we need to do is find out, you know, let her show you where the 406, is it 406, 404 comes from. Let's figure out who it would apply to. Let's figure out what the fiscal is to the county. And Commissioner Bogan, when, okay. The and, one and, thing and, I was and, going to and, say is when you said 2 million shouldn't have, I think the only addition to our reserves this year was it was either only 10 or 12 million total. So this would be 20% give or take of the reserve. So, which I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I want to know what the numbers are. That, that was I said, I asked where okay. it would come okay. from. So Mr. Mayor, that's my motion. Okay. It's an amend, substitute amendment. And I, I think everybody heard what it is, so I'm not right. going to repeat it. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I have Monica raising her hand, then I'm going to go to Beam. Uh, Commissioner Farr. No. Go ahead, Commissioner Farr. I just think it needs to be stipulated that, it's, that we're doing this in preparation for the next meeting. Okay. No, no, I, I, that's what so I said. That, so I want this, this not, back to us. This is not some far, this is uh, uh, to be uh, done in this year's budget. Commissioner Farr, my motion was to say to bring this back to us two weeks at our budget meeting two weeks from or uh, 12 days from today, I'm sorry. September 20th, 501, yep. mark your calendars, we'll be back. Monica. So, uh, just I just got pointed out to me, I've got the figures here for not the fiscal impact, but what we pay, what the county pays for our county employees per hour for health care benefits, inclusive of the $1,200 that you referenced, the total is $3.84 for our county employees. For that same health care in, in 2022 in 2022 that's correct okay, we didn't count the help that, that includes the 1200 we didn't that is the, the, the breakdown so it's significantly and in 2023 less. i'm getting those numbers okay. helene but uh so this is kind of the reason why we shouldn't and we said at the workshop we weren't going to do this like this there's two i I'll, I'll vote however you guys, I'll put the motion out there. But the motion is part of the budget process is done over a two meeting process, this meeting and the next meeting. This is something that should be looked at before we adopt the final budget. That's where it's gonna be. That's Senator Rich. Is. So I just wanna make this point. So the way Senator Geller expressed it, it's gonna be this negotiating and back and forth. That is not what I think I had in mind or Commissioner Bogan had in mind. We're talking about parity, parity. Now the parity may be $3.90, it might be $4.06, I understand that. But it needs to be that we are bringing these people up to parity, okay? So, the, and you know, that's not what I think the intent of that motion of, of the amendment uh, to my motion is. Uh, if you can assure me that people that we're looking at trying to bring parity here with, with our employees and these employees then I'm okay with this and, and let, let them meet and you know come up with the figures and come back to us. But I just, you know, this idea, you know, that you're gonna well, she's gonna throw out one figure and you're gonna throw out another figure right. and try and come somewhere in between. But the idea is to bring parity. That's that's the bottom line as far as I am concerned. Okay. So so move my amendment. So 
the amendment, the, the, the substitute motion that was put forth by Senator Geller is, as part of the budget process between this meeting and the next meeting, staff and Helene are going to talk to try and come up with a, if there's a different way to do this with the health care differential. <coughs> staff is also going to bring us the, where this money is going to come from. $2 million is still $2 million. I don't know, is it going to come from the affordable housing fund that we put in? Is it going to come from the HEART program that we put in? $2 million is a big number. So let's see, is it coming from reserves? I don't know where it's coming from. That's what we need to find out. But I think when we move things around, everything gets changed, and that's where we miss this thing. Pay them whatever we need to do to keep a productive, positive employee workforce. I'll second okay. it. Okay. I'll second it. Thank you. Let's vote. Okay. Aye. Aye. <laughs> All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Yes. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I, I'm not even using that, but it hasn't been spent. There's, te there's $10 million there. Right. It's fine. That's why there's budget amendments. And, and if I may. Mr. You just Mayor. said their health is everything. This is people that are screaming for health. And Mr. Mayor, if I may, to add on to your, your point, uh, Commissioner Bogan, um, this would have to be a recurring revenue stream, right. and that was a one-time stream. So it, it, it's right, it's apples and oranges. Right. So the, the $2 million, whatever the impact, would be a recurring reduction. Okay. Say that based on uh, Senator Rich's comments, parity basically would be lower than what Helene's asking for. Well, we're hearing that and we're hearing this all the said. time in workshops. We're getting different kind of numbers, numbers right. and the numbers come back and I get it. I think that Helene and Pat do the most amazing job bargaining for their employees. These aren't they even do. employees from the county. I want them to represent me and my bargaining <laughs> when I do something in the future. Everybody up here sitting on this dais wants to do the best we can. They want us to unionize the commissioners. Yeah, I want them to be on my union. But, I mean, they're their butts for their employees and their employees that work for another organization that makes this even harder there's a lot of ways we can skin this cat I don't even know in some and we spoke about this in the I'm not gonna say skin the cat I was gonna say mr. mayor the Did animal rights back? activist so going to be after you Wait, I got activists calling you there's a phone, we, My phone we spoke is about crazy now. I, you know there's all there's a lot of different ways that you can work employees for the county. You want to give full parity? Bring them all in-house and let them work for the county. And then let's get rid of what we're paying independent contractors. But that's for another day. We have our motion. We can talk about it. No matter, no matter what we raise them to, unfortunately, they're still going to have housing issues. They're still going to have health care issues. The numbers at Senator Rich's $28 an hour, I would say to you, you are still going to have housing issues in Broward County, and you're still going to have health issues. We're not solving that problem for you up here on the commission. I'm sorry. I wish we could. We can't. No shot. Anyway, that's that. We have our motion? Okay, passed. All right. Is, uh, other members of the public. Uh, Michael Cohen. So if you're here from, uh, you know, SEIU, we've, we're, I mean, we're hot. You don't really need to come up. We're doing it. But you're more than welcome to speak. No, I mean, it's, you answered okay. all the questions directly. So you could say what they say in the Just Senate is wave and support. <laughs> Thank you. Our next speaker. Our next speaker, Sean McMillan. I want to speak. Yes, sir. Come on up. 
three minutes. Well, take them all. You got it, Sean. All right, good evening. My name is Sean McMillan, and I have been working as a security officer at the Central Courthouse in Broward County for 14 and a half years. I screen everyone who comes to the courthouse for weapons and other dangerous objects, and there are many on a daily basis. My coworkers and I have found loaded guns, loaded guns, knives, and on many occasions, swords hidden inside walking canes. We take seriously our responsibility to protect the people whom we serve and work in and visit the courthouse. When I first started working at the courthouse, I made about $11 an hour. Here we go now, 14 years later, I'm at $15 an hour with five churn, two in college. It's difficult to survive in South Florida when you, are, when you earn so little and give so much. I took time off from my, from my health in 2020 because of COVID. I lost two family members a week apart because of COVID. They only gave me three days off with no pay. Not only that, I had to take two months off because of COVID with no pay at all. I had to rush back to work because I was running behind on my bills. We had no paid sick days. In the stress of grief and financial insecurity and something, something I don't want anyone especially you all, to ever experience. This is why we are here to ask you, stop the, the delaying the raise. And we understand that the 1717 would not solve the issue, but it will help us as we continue to serve you. So we're asking you today, please consider us as security officers and help us move forward as we help you secure the government buildings. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Morris Sanders. Something. Sure, question by Commissioner Bogan. You know, does this commission want to set a policy for people that work in our government buildings? Like if you get sick and, you know, you don't get paid. I, I just find that sitting here, I, I just, can't stomach it. It really bothers me. And I think we should, we need to have a policy of whatever company is doing this or we hire them as county employees. Um, it's not acceptable to me that someone could be sick and they're not being paid. It's just, it, you know, and so I'd like to see if you guys be open to changing policy here. So I, I would. Let's see if we could bring all the. Um, Monica, go ahead. We, we, we are. are yeah. So part of, and I sent you all an email on September 1st outlining. Um, the proposal for living wage, including um, all contracts that we will be putting out prospectively for outside vendors are required to have a 40-hour minimum of paid time off. 
uh, for all living wage employees who work 30 hours a week or more uh, with a year of continuous service. So, yeah, but what if that employer then goes, okay, I'm going to only make people work 29 hours to, to get it to skirt around that? Well, that so we're, we're looking at it in parity, to use your, use your word, uh, Senator Rich, um, as it relates to benefit eligible employees that, like, that we have as well that are um, eligible for different benefits. So we're trying to treat the situation similarly. I think this is contract going into effect within six These are months? all contracts that are going forward prospectively for the So what if that gentleman's contract with the companies in four years comes renewed in four years from now? That policy won't take effect for four years? Uh, I will double check what the proposal was, but I'll, I'll, I'll that, that, that contract particularly is coming out. Okay, how about all contracts? Can we ask our county attorney, do you mind if we say, we, we have a policy starting immediately that this has to go into your contract. I don't know if our county attorney can answer the question, but from now on, anybody who's sick, gets, you know, this has to be implemented in all of our contracts. Are you guys okay with that? I, uh, commissioners, from a legal perspective, we would have to reopen and renegotiate those contracts. So we wouldn't be able to do it uh, right off the bat, and then for your RFP, pro you'd have to remember we went through this with the, some of the security guards, right? You have to essentially relet those RFPs because you're going to come out in a different situation. So you can do it, but you'd have to go back out essentially for most of the it, it, yes, there are, it's work, but you have, you can do it. We, yeah. so, yes. Okay. So even and, going a step further, if we have to, I mean. If we're going to tell the policies of what they have to do 24-7 with everything, and I agree with Commissioner Bogan, we, they should, people should get paid when they're sick if that's what our policy is. If we have the policies, we have the pay, we're paying, we're setting the wages, we're setting the policies, we're setting the work conditions, why do we need to even contract with these? We contract so that it's a different way to bring it in-house and let them become county employees. Great. And get rid of all the contracts. Great. I mean, if you're going to look at that, that's rather than reletting these out, bring them in as count. There must have been a reason why they they did some of this. Um, County administrability. Yeah. Can, can you respond to what yeah. uh, the mayor was saying? I was talking to County. My Attorney. comment is, if the county commission is going to set the entire policy of how the work has to be performed, what benefits has to be paid what has to be done, how much they have to pay. Why do we contract out? What's the benefit to the county for contracting it out? So when we look at what types of services we contract out, it's for a, a cost effectiveness measure. So um, I guess if we're going to have everything on parity, then it might make sense just to bring everything in house. So we'll have to do a lot of analyses on, on some of these contracts to see if it's even worth having contracts to do these services. So but in the meantime, in the meantime, let's, that's long range, short ways, short policy. Why don't we have our county attorneys go do the work necessary to implement a policy so if people get sick, they're, on, they're, they're being paid so little right because now. Because I think what they're going to say is they have to reopen yeah, all those contracts. So, it's not contract. long range, so, it's the same range. So, so, if we're going to do that, let's just bring them in. If you're reopening yeah, and redoing the contract. That will take months and months yeah. to, you know how long procurement, I'm sorry, Mr. Mayor. Go ahead. Uh, Commissioner Bogan, I understand your, your desire. You know how long procurements take. You know, first the purchasing t has to s draft it, uh, or county attorney. I mean, the entire procurement pro process is minimum six months, and if there's protests, which there always are longer than that. So I, I agree with 
uh, Mayor Udine, if we're if everything is going to be on parity, perhaps we should just bring people in house. I, I I'm not saying yes. I'm saying I I'd be interested in exploring that. But I don't think it's you know we can't just say make it happen because there is a long period on that. And again, can before we reach these decisions from the dais, we should figure out what the process is, how much it's going to cost, where it's coming from. I mean, because of an agenda item in the next meeting. And I have no problem because then when we get it in a meeting, there will be an analysis on it. And that's all I'm asking. Senator Rich. Yeah, just one thing. Um, I, I just heard something and I did not realize this. So are, you're basically saying that someone whose contract is not up for renewal for four years, we will not be able to deal with sick pay for four years? So, so that is what my understanding okay. is. However, I will say this, that of the five contracts that uh, the vendors that uh, we currently have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Kevin, if I say something um, off. From my recollection, the last spreadsheet I saw, and I don't have it with me today because I wasn't expecting to go into this conversation in this detail, but the last um, time I looked at this, four of the five vendors for security guard services offer PTO already. Um, so maybe this gentleman worked for the other company that didn't have it. But what I'm saying is, is that a lot of times, at least on the security guard side, that already exists. Now, what um, Anika was referring to earlier is um, that there are hundreds of contracts that would need to be opened and renegotiated. So I think that's the lengthy period that we were talking about that, that, have, that would have these provisions that would need to be addressed. Yeah, and so Senator Rich, we weren't necessarily, you know, we don't necessarily have to wait until the end of those contracts in order to renegotiate them, but we would have, you know, so most of our contracts have a termination for convenience or other termination provision if we needed to exercise that in order to go back out. But we'd have to essentially redo a procurement in order to, to uh, renegotiate those terms. And I was just, thank you, Anika, and um, what I was just told is that all of our security guard vendor contracts are up within this year, so they will all have that provision inside okay, of it. So nobody is out four years without... That's yeah. correct. Is that correct? Not, not security guards. There may be some other yeah. Uh, that's great, uh, Monica, that, that's going to be in it, but I'd like it to be an official policy of this board, so it's in all future contracts, and, you know, so I, I'll put an agenda item on, you know, as, as Senator Geller was talking about. Thank you. And, and Commissioner Bogan, we can talk to you later, but we have that exact thing that would be a policy of the board already in our item that we're bringing forward. And by the way, we get these before they go out. We get the RFPs. We can put whatever we want in them. It comes to us in the days. We voted on every one of these RFPs that have gone out there, and then that's what the that's what the parties operate off of. And you know, and then we come back afterwards and we try to do this all on the fly, and then there's a lot of different dominoes that fall based on what happens with all this. And I know this. I mean, I worked in a city when I was mayor. We contracted for a lot of things. We did it because there was tremendous savings to taxpayers, um, and there was a lot different ways to do that. Maybe we're not in a, like, 
in, in, in the city I worked at, if we contracted for landscaping, we didn't know who the landscapers were that they sent every day, so they may have used them for different jobs. It sounds to me like here, there's all the same people, the same thing, the same jobs, and there, there may not be the synergy, so we may need to look at that. There's a lot of our contracts. It's not just security guards that have this same issue. I think you're going to see there's hundreds of them that would have this same issue that we need to look at. So, but we've already voted on it, so I'm going to go to my... Oh, so, uh, Vice Mayor Fisher. I, I just want to... Sorry. Hey, you, stay right you stay right there, sir. Stay here. No, you're, you're, you're like... You can stand, you can work <laughs> out, you can hang out. <laughs> I got you. I'm getting you next. No problem. <laughs> I, I would respectfully ask this board and administration for next year's budget that we have this discussion in advance. We did. Could have, We had it at the workshop where we all had agreed to what we were going to do, and I understand that. But to, again, every year to come to this table right here is, is not healthy for anybody. It's not healthy for our workers. It's not healthy for us. And we're seeing like we're negotiating something that we, do, we have no numbers on. So let's make a commitment that at the workshop before this hearing, whatever it is, Monica, that we hear from the SEIUs, that we hear from everybody, and we make a decision. So when we get to this point, yeah. We are not doing this, and we said we weren't going to do it, and here we are doing it again. So I respectfully request that we do that next year so we don't get in this position. These poor folks have to come in, and they have to do their, their begging and their, you know, whatever it may be. Let's get it ironed out. In advance. Commissioner, I apologize for bringing it up. You know, no, I just, no, no, I just no, no, didn't no, no, know right. didn't from right. what he, what he I talked about. I want to set a precedent in the future heart. that we can get this settled. Right. Win, lose, or draw, if it's whatever the ask is, we make a decision on it ahead of time. Thank you, uh, man. 100%. That's what we said at the workshop this year, too, that we well, were. We're going to do it next year. Let's really do it. Not, do it we didn't just do it. We're going to really, really do, do it. We're really do it. Right. We don't object. We strenuously object. All right. All right. Did you, are we ready to go? We're ready now. The one and only <laughs> Mr. Morris Sanders. Standing there all this time. Mr. Mr. Mayor. Mr. Morris Sanders. How y'all doing today? Good evening. Mr. Mayor, Ms. Vice Mayor, Commissioners, how y'all doing this evening? I want to thank you for getting my name right. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. My, my name is hard to pronounce sometimes. People get name, my name wrong a lot, so I want to, I want to thank you for that. Okay. But, um... I worked at the airport for about, about a year and a half. And to echo what y'all saying about the pay rate, um, I appreciate your, your voting on it. Um, we um, have issues with the pay rate because a lot of our officers that work at the airport, they are new officers. What happens is they get hired on because they work outside, because it's so hot. And when we check cars, whatever, within a few days, they end up quitting because of pay rate. They, they're saying, I guess, they're not getting compensated for the pay rate they, they, they have. So they're saying, hey, we're not getting paid enough to do this, so they, they leave. And for the last about six, seven months, we have lost a lot of officers because of that. So I appreciate about the pay rate, and I want to let you know about the, um, the insurance. The insurance is great, we have, and I hope we keep the insurance. So, I mean, um, it's been, it's, I, I began check, I began free checkups from my, my primary. I had my eyes checked, my dental. It's, it's the, good, the insurance is great. So um, keeping the insurance is very important. Our sick days are important. I'm a co-worker at the airport. We have issues with officers getting sick, and they cannot have time off because no pay time off. So we have issues with that also. So that's one thing we need to um, try to try to get. And um, I had a thing written down here, but y'all went over so much already. It's yeah, kind of hard to. It. It's <laughs> kind of. Well anyway. It's, it's right. just like. <laughs> but, no. 
But um, I'm not sure what's more to say. But um, I'm thank y'all for for, for uh, considering and understanding uh, the job we do. It's not easy, and um, thank y'all for uh, showing appreciation. Uh, I thank y'all a lot. Appreciate thank it. You. Thank, thank you. you. Thank uh, you, Mr. Sanders. Thank you. You look very healthy to me. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you just came from the gym. But uh, okay, our next speaker. And, and, and if you're coming to speak, I think that the additional wage is already in the budget. So if you're, the wage is going up, and the 1717 is already in the recommend, recommended budget, which is, and, and I just want to thank Monica for that. That's the highest I've ever seen the, this wage go up percentage-wise in the history of the county, unless I'm missing it. I'm sorry. I don't think the wage has ever gone up percentage-wise that high in the history of Broward County. Um, I don't believe so, and it certainly has never been in a recommended budget. Right, not 22% on an increase for whatever that's worth. Michael Rayner, come on down. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Uh, Michael Rayner, Chair of the uh, Broward County Human Rights Board. Um, speaking on some of the budget items uh, today, First, I want to thank um, the addition of the one investigator position uh, for the section, which is needed and was a recommendation from HUD as part of the performance improvement plan. Um, however, what is missing in terms of additional employees is one intake person. Um, in the June document of the performance improvement plan, HUD issued its concern on page four actually recommending that it have two permanent intake analysts. Currently, the section has one. And I, I just need to also, you know, commend the section. They've cleared away all the open cases um, that HUD had required of them to meet before the August 30th deadline. So those are settled. So currently, right now, there's a current caseload of 80 housing cases that are open. And then act-only cases are 44 in number. Most of those, I believe, are employment cases, um, which HUD does not provide a reimbursement for. Um, the, the section right now, in terms of at least the human rights side, is, um, you know, has been operating almost at a skeleton um, level in terms of staffing. Um, you know, between over the years, between different vacancies that were delayed to be filled, um, you know, the budget in the previous fiscal year was increased by one staff person uh, for an investigator. Um, however, they have a vacancy right now. Uh, the addition of this one then will provide two vacancies and they currently have a vacancy also and the intake so the staff is working really hard and doing quality work they're just overwhelmed and need more staff so that we're not continuing operating at a skeleton crew um, there's a lot of other concerns i have here and i'm running quick on time so um, one of the things that would help also improve efficiency um, for about 10 years the section has been working on a case management system it's becoming like a mythical unicorn um, I, you know, I really would like to see something like that put, you know, sped up, provided with a timeline, um, something like that. Right now, when I ask um, staff for things, they're having to go through Excel sheets and paper files. Um, they don't have a system that could easily help us as a board identify trends of issues that are happening at certain points. They can't just push a button. Uh, we've had over a year delay in actually just getting uh, quarterly reports to the board because of short staff and limited staff. So we even as a board sometimes have actually delayed when we would hold a meeting out of respect for staff to be able to get some of their stuff done. Um, you know, outreach is something that's not happening. We do need to have the section get back to outreach. 
There is a $125,000 partnership grant with HUD, um, and the, the section needs to go forward with that. It would also help them perform intake by screening housing complaint calls. It would also provide the funds for, to partner. Uh, can, can I finish just a Could section, Finish Mayor? your thought. And it, this would also help the county actually be a financial sponsor with HOPE a fair housing to even put on a, a fair housing month event and there's so much more that can be done um i i, I will come back on the next hearing uh, with the rest of what i have unless there's Thank any questions you. commissioner commissioner ryan was first and then and then vice mayor fisher i recall last year when we um went over this issue and we did fund one uh additional position as a um investigator and um so HUD has a recommendation of uh, two permanent um, intake analysts, and uh, I believe we have one. Um, so what, uh, Monica, what is the cost if we were, I know we were, we're seeking, I guess right now, another investigator, we have an open position, um, and, and, and we have another one in this year's budget, but it sounds to me like according to the, uh, the HUD, recommendations and I mean these recommendations are also I mean you know they're, they're tied to certain funding grants you know and the rest of it some of which it seems to me they would more than make up for the cost of an analyst annual salary if you you know if you're able to secure one of those particular grants um, what is the um, estimated cost for a uh, uh, you know a uh, an additional you know permanent um, intake analyst so um Commissioner, so uh, Mr. Rayner was correct that we're having trouble filling some positions, but that's happening all over the county. Yeah. Um, and as we hear in, in the private sector as well. Um, mm -hmm. But we do have, I believe, two vacancies currently. And in this budget, you don't have one, you have two. I put two additional positions in this budget that you have in front of you. So there was one last year and there's two more this year. So there are two. Uh, so two Mr. Mayor, Commissioner, so no, 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 no. there was okay. one additional this year. And is that your understanding as chair of the? No, that is not our understanding. What we've been advised. If you have a question of Mr. Rayner, then he can respond. Yeah, yeah. That, I just want to thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner, and through the Mayor. Um, we were advised. Yes, in the budget, it does reflect two staff members. It's very vague on the on what actually was put in print. Uh, during our last Human Rights Board meeting in July, we were advised by these uh, the manager of uh, the section that it is one investigator for the professional standards side and one investigator for the human rights side. So it's not true that we're getting two, we're only getting one in the human rights side. Well, I mean, I do Monica, see that we've had a large Monica. uptake in, um, in the number of uh, uh, housing discrimination cases. And you can understand that as it gets, it, it gets to be a tighter housing market that um, some, um, some landlords, certain yep. Groups are a little more selective, and in doing so, they um, they they fail to comply with you know fair housing laws, and you know it's important that you know we protect the community in that regard. So, um, Monica, so your understanding is because I, I know we have a, like one or two positions uh, that that are held uh, that are we have existing employees, but like one is out on maternity leave and one is out on some other sick leave, and that and that we're running short staffed, and that's you know kind of uh, um, impeding our ability to, you know, handle the intake of new cases. Your thoughts? Yeah, so like I, like I mentioned, you know, uh, along with the vacancies, there have been some long-term absences for medical reasons. And so 
those positions obviously need to stay opened and waiting for those employees to come back. Uh, so so be, the combination of that, and I did stand corrected, we added two last year, two positions last year and two this year. So um, in the last two fiscal years, you, there have been four additional positions added to um, the, this entire okay. um, section. All right, so so the, the, the speaker indicates it seems, quote, unquote, a little vague on that particular, I guess, job description or well, it's know, just additional not listed positions. in the budget. So if you could have your staff follow up with me, I, is, is it Kevin or whoever is working on that issue? And well, yeah, and our budget team can go through it. But um, I think what Mr. Rayner's position or point is is about where we have allocated those positions but the, but there have been four additional positions in this small unit that was 11 positions and now it's 15 in the last two fiscal years so it we have um, provided additional resources um, more so and on a percentage wise than many other areas in our government where that also need additional staffing okay thank you thank you sir vice mayor uh, thank you mr. Rain, you, you spoke of two items that pointed my interest number one that partnership grant um, Monica can we apply for that partnership grant to help uh, the 100 up to 125,000 can we go ahead and apply for that Did so Mr. Rainer talk uh, about? I, I, I'm not aware of it personally I don't know if my team's working on it but I certainly will look into so it so let's hopefully we can get that going and, and something else you said 10 years for a case management system I mean this is 2022 it, it's I mean, it, it's approximately been about 10 years, Vice Mayor. It started, I believe, um, at the time when Gretchen Harkin, uh, Gretchen Cassini was uh, supervising that area, is I believe when talks began. Um, I, there may have been interruptions and things. Um, so I know it was a, like a wish list in the pipeline. I don't know the progress of where that started, but I know that it, so it's about 10 years, I would say. I mean, there's systems you can buy off the shelf, for goodness sakes, management systems. So, Monica, can we find out what in the world it, taking so long to get a system together I will add that to the list sir okay. <laughs> other okay. comments thank from you. the Commission to mr. Rayner seeing no one else that thank, thank you, you Michael <clears throat> our next speaker is listed for questions only Pat Leopold Pat are you speaking or no wave in support She's our next speaker Kim Swears come on down speakers for the entire budget right it's 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 so great to see us adding so many different staff members so far since I've been here today. <laughs> I, I, in a few years when this market turns to uh, we're gonna unfortunately it's not gonna be easy but you know we I've heard today already we've added a bunch in animal care we've now added a bunch in this one and that one and yeah Kim, you have I'd the like floor. To move that the good evening. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm tall, so I'm going to have to bend over. It's great to see all of you, Mayor, Commissioners. I know so many of you so well from business, philanthropy, you name it. It's good to see you, and thank you for having me. I'm here today. I don't have my speech written. I'm coming speaking from the heart. I'm a mother of a 16-year-old son that attends uh, a great school in, in Fort Lauderdale, but attends junior achievement as required as part of his curriculum. But most importantly, as Lamar knows, since I was in this great city of Pompano Beach, I'm one of uh, America's largest boat dealerships housed here in Fort Lauderdale, proud to call it my home. 30 million in revenue, 25 employees. We're, we're a mean, successful dealership. 
But what keeps me up at night is that we sold 40% more boats during the pandemic with 40% less technicians. That's what keeps me up at night as, as a business owner. Enter Junior Achievement. Lori Solarillo, back here. She and I brainchild a program that you so graciously um, funded. And we put 25 kids through a program where they now have five certifications. Mercury Marine Technician, they came out certified. Forklift, CPR, AED, boater certificate, and forklift training. Those people do not come through my door as a business owner, and you guys funded that. 25 kids graduated. Today, I interviewed eight of them. With Marine Max as my partner, and Intrepid Power Boats. We chose our employers because we needed the quality employers to actually teach these kids not only about a job, but a career in the marine industry. So let's talk numbers. They're gonna, um, minimum wage is what, $10 now? I don't even know it because I don't believe in it. Our minimum wage is $15 an hour when they enter into our dealership. Upon graduation of the program, they'll make $18 an hour. Upon certification as an outboard technician, they go to 23, and today, one of these gentlemen was an HVAC certified technician. He'll be making $28 an hour. So those numbers are real. The numbers you speak of that these people can't live here, my employees will live here, our employees will live here, thanks to this program and you guys supporting it and continuing funding. So that's what I'm here for. I talk fast, I work fast, so I hope I you know, can answer any questions that you have regarding the program. Thank you. Questions? Tazia, before she leaves, I'd get her card. That's where you want to apply for a job. <laughs> She's big time, the boat boss. <laughs> Next speaker, Lori Salyarulo. Thank you. I'm freezing. Thank you for keeping the air so low. I'm staying wide awake. Um, no, I'm only kidding. Good evening, everyone. Look, that's the story. Um, you know, uh, Senator Geller, that program came out of your meetings. We heard loud and clear that there was a need, especially in our trades, marine, construction, uh, automotive, uh, manufacturing, across the board. They are struggling. Thank we you. can't wait till they turn 18 and they get out of school and they have no path, right? This is putting them into jobs, as Kim just said, so they can afford housing, so they can afford food. That's the idea, getting them into these good paying jobs. JA is different. I know sometimes you think, well, everybody else is doing this. We don't, we, we, those kids came from across every Broward County high school. They don't just have special needs. They're not just at risk. If we're going to build a pipeline, if we're going to work with you, with all of those health and, youth, health and human service organizations, as well as our economic development partners, we have got to address this by getting all kids ready for these jobs, not just some but all of them. And so this funding, as Kim said, was funded last year. We piloted this program. We are going to expand it, hopefully with your help. DOE funded us. We went together with Fast Boats. They put in the, their part, we put in the pre-apprenticeship. They have full confidence in us. They wanna see the local contribution and investment. <clears throat> That's why this is so important. But if each semester, Every six months, we can put out 25 kids who can go right into employers and fill these jobs. That's what this funding request was for. So my hope is that next year, because 
as you did with them, right? I, I would love to be able next year to come to you during this next year, work with administration, work with Health and Human Services, with Sandy and the small business, and come up with a plan on how we're going to address filling the pipeline with our young people, getting them ready, putting them into these programs, okay? Having a plan and a process, Senator Rich, so that we can go through that process and work with the plan and have all of us who do this work in all of these different areas. And JA, by the way, Leading Talent Forge, which is a community-wide organization or, or consortium about scaling youth employment and youth workforce experiences. We can do this as a county. We have to approach it that way. And so that's my hope, is that next year I'll be coming to you during the year with the administration saying, here's the plan on how we're going to build the pipeline and get kids ready, and here's the process, and here's how we're all going to be at the table working together. That's my hope. So I hope that you will strongly consider this request for this year so we can continue and expand this program. So thank you, everybody. And I, I don't usually dress up this much for you, but I'm going off to the Rosé Soiree as soon as this is done. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, everyone. Any questions? Any questions? No? Thank you. Okay. That brings us to, I'm so glad that I get to call this one because this is now the fourth time I have called my friend today to speak. I called three times in the first meeting. Unfortunately, the person wasn't here. And then the public meeting closed and she got a little angry with me. I said, 501, we're back. Deborah Saratello. And I was not rude in any way. You can step forward and speak, please. Good evening. Thank you. Mary Eudine. Yes. Vice Mayor Fisher and Commissioners. Uh, oh, glasses, sorry. Okay, I know I missed it earlier. And, and yes, no, he was not rude by any means. So after going over the audit, it indicated that 84 of 150 items had been completed. And that's only 55%, so that's sort of failing. The first item, and the one we really are concerned about, is the staffing. It needed 29 to 36 in the first audit, and I believe it's the same. And, the, and staffing is important because if you don't have that, it's a rotating domino effect. If you have it, more staffing, can, more programs will thrive, um, the, more enrichment for the pets. And in allegation uh, number 26, it says eight. We lost eight people. I believe it's about 20. Um, I'm going to run through this quickly because I'm sure you're hearing this maybe two or three times. Failures of rescues may be going down nationally, but it's only about 1.6%. And ours in 2021 was 18%. Now it's down 8% in 2022. January 2021 to September, we took in or, or transferred out 909 pets. This year, it's 452, same time span, and that's only half. So the statistics are bad. Despite an increase in rescues, we've added 27 more, all, and, but the transferring out of the pets has been decreased. So something's not obviously correct there. And I think it's a problem with the getting along with the rescues and not having a very good rapport. And the audit recommended 2.5 behaviorists. I agree, as you might. And I also agree that the one behaviorist that's there now, Jenna Jones, I'm looking at the time, needs to spend more time with the animals other than other things. Um, 
Another audit recommendation was the seven days a week, which you guys covered. Uh, oh, foster rescue and adoption has one person. Those are the most important aspects of getting any animal out of there. How can one person do that? And then the pet supermarket coordinator. There isn't one, so they want to use a customer service person. So that means you have one person doing practically everything. That would be Ricardo. So I don't understand, or you might not understand, why we're not getting animals out. Well, here, there's the reason. Nobody's, there's nobody there to do it. You're missing all the prominent people that we need. Foster, rescue, adoption, pet supermarket. Who else is going to take them out? I mean, that was my, that, that I just found. Oh, time's up. <laughs> that, we need staff. We need more staff there, okay. Right. Thank you. And you need to pay the substitute teachers more. Because add, I've been doing it for add that 30 to our budget. Years. Substitute teachers, more staff in every department, more money in every department, <laughs> no, 28 97 an hour, and just add it all on. Thank you. Thank Any you. questions? Yay. Any questions? Seeing none, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you and for I'm allowing glad you me were to able to speak. Return. Rosa Smith. My name is Rosia Smith, and I'm here representing uh, my family property concerning property tax. The address is 717 Northwest 7th Street in Hallandale, Florida. This where my mom lived for over 60 years. She lived as a law-abiding, tax-paying citizen for all those years. We lost her last year. And uh, I'm here concerning the tax, the taxes. We paid them no incident for all these years, but this year's tax is just unreasonable. It makes no sense. My mom died at the age of 102 when she's been at this property. She was the recipient. I heard someone here mention uh, the uh, home rehabilitation program at the age of 90. She was recipient of that award. And this is the home that I'm trying to get some understanding about the taxes. Now, on the current tax bill, uh, now that she's gone, she's left uh, two of my sisters who live there. They both receive Social Security. One receives SSI, and she's disabled. The other one lives there with her to to assist her because she can't work any stress brings on seizures with the two of them and this tax bill it makes no sense all these years no problem with the tax bill but this current tax bill jumped from four hundred and seventy eight dollars which was reasonable to four thousand dollars which makes no sense the market value didn't increase that much. And if I could get, if we could get some kind of review or appeal, this is what we're looking to do. 
because everything's gone up. I understand that. Everybody understand everything going up. Taxes, everything. But to go one times, two times, three times, but ten times what it was before, I, it makes no sense to me. You're, you, I don't mean to interrupt you. You're 100% right. You have to go downstairs, I mentioned in the beginning, to room 111 between 9 and 5, Monday through Friday, to speak to the property appraiser. Because without seeing what happened, I kind of know what happened when you're, unfortunately, when your mother passed away, I'm assuming that the house lost its homestead and got reassessed and it lost Save Our Homes. And because of the reassessment under state law, it shot way up. If you had somebody else on the deed prior to passing that had homestead, maybe that would have been. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because even though you probably had the property, whether she did a will or not, and it went to the the two sisters, the, her two daughters. Right. I mean, that's fine as far as right. it being, you know, exempt from claims of creditors. But, not but you don't. You have to have somebody else that is sharing that homestead status before your mother passed away. So I don't know how, by state law, that that uh, Marty Care's office can correct that. Right. But it's you might not be able to. You know, it's it's just a. Uh, I think a little more information needs to go out to the public. About uh, about how people that have you know had save our homes for decades and, and have been able to take advantage of that, I mean it, it really will just wow. wreck your your tax bill. I mean and it's yeah, it well, occurs both, all the time. Okay, they're Mr. both Mayor. now 65, so uh, right. Yeah. I was going to say, ma'am, that uh, the reason that Commissioner Ryan suggested going downstairs. It was very clear to me yeah. what happened again that you lost the save our homes exemption, which is the three percent that I told the young lady in pink about that it can only go up by three percent a year. But if the current two occupants establish this as a homestead, then there are tax uh, additional homestead exemptions that are available for low income and seniors. So even though the price has gone up because you have now lost the Save Our Homes exemption, they can still get additional homestead exemptions if it's established as a homestead, which is why uh, uh, Commissioner Ryan was correct in his suggestion about going down to visit with the property appraiser who may be able to help you. We don't guarantee, we don't know your individual circumstances, but I'm guessing that that's the case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was the room number? 111, downstairs, the property appraiser's office. And that's during what hours? No. Nine to five, Monday through Friday. Yeah. Eugene's going to help you. you oh, you're oh in. Okay. it's eight to five. Great. Eight to five. Eugene's, Eugene's really good. He's like our best one here, so he's going to help you. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry, Thank you. They're all our best ones, but he's right now our best one. All right. Our next, our ne our next speaker is Leonore Lori Galvin. And he has them for translation in Spanish, uh, English? Possible? He, he needs somebody to translate. Muchas gracias, Michael. Despacito. 
sí. para, para yo poder Exacto, traducir. Parte para. Sí. Ok, eh, buenas noches a todos. Good evening, um, vengo en representación mía y de alguna comunidad de senior community. He's speaking on, on his own behalf uh, as well as the senior community. Son los impuestos. Sí, impuestos de la propiedad. Property taxes. Eh, eh, yo eh, me están aumentando tres mil dólares. My taxes are increasing three thousand dollars. Mi propiedad eh, no vale tanto. Yo te, yo debo doscientos treinta y cinco mil. He doesn't think his property is worth that much, and he only owes it's clear that people are losing their homestead exemptions for whatever reasons they haven't filed they, they kept the property appraisal whatever reason you know I think he's maybe the third person that has said that their property went up far in excess of the three percent so perhaps you could ask at our next uh, next time we do this, if the property appraiser might have somebody here at, at these meetings, because clearly we're getting a lot of people that have this issue. If you want to translate, I, I just explained to him. I'll go with him and perfect. We'll go the same <laughs> perfect. And so Thank you, sir, for being here. He's going to help you, Mr. Mayor. Um, just to assuage everyone's concerns on that issue. Um, everyone that has spoken tonight that has an issue like that, we will make sure that those individuals' contact information will be given directly to the property appraiser's office and they can reach out to them directly. And as of note, uh, just a, a note of uh, importance, the VAB Value Adjustment Board deadline is September 19th, so right. there's still time. Okay. That's all the public cards I have. Is there anybody else from the public? Any of the department heads want more staff? We're big into getting more staff now. Come on up. This is your chance. Um, now that the public comment period is completed, I will take comments from the county commission. We've kind of yes. gone through. Senator Geller. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I would move you, sir, that we um, add the staff that we're discussing, increase the salaries, and reduce the millage. <laughs> Other comments from the county commission? We've pretty much gone through most of it. No. Okay. Now that, <laughs> now that commissioner comments are complete. Wait, can I actually make one comment? So, no, uh, well, hold on a second. Backing up. Senator Geller, you're recognized. I just want to say what I've said before, but I'll, so I will do it in one minute or less. Go. I am, this year we have some money. I've been very clear that I think when times are good, you either build your reserves or put it into capital. We cannot either lower millage or, because if we do that when times turn, and they will, we won't have enough money. And if we put it into operating uh, recurring revenue, then when times turn, we will either need to lay people off or increase millage. So I think we need to be careful on increases. I think we need to build our reserves and do capital. 
because this time, this year we still have federal money. Yep. Next year we won't. I'm done. That, I think that was less than a minute. Very Thank nice. you. I told you I could do it in less than a minute. Yeah, I mean, I, when you bring us this stuff now, when we make the changes, please bring us where the money's coming from so we can see it. I think that's important. Okay. Now that the commissioner comments are complete. One more thing. <laughs> the board will vote to adopt the tentative millage rate and budget. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-561 establishing the tentative millage rate for general county purposes? Move approval. It is moved by Senator Geller. Second. Is there a second? Bogan second. Second by Commissioner second. Bogan. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes. How many are we? Seven to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-562 adopting Second. the tentative budget for general county purposes? It has been moved by Senator Rich. Is there a second? <laughs> Thank you. It is seconded by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. The public hearing on item A, the general countywide millage rate and budget is now closed. The public hearing is open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the Broward Municipal Service District to provide funds for municipal level services in the unincorporated area. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 2.3353, which represents a 9.78% increase in property taxes as compared with the rollback rate of 2.1272. The county administrator will give an overview of the millage and budget for the Broward Municipal Service District. County Administrator. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. The Broward Municipal Service District millage rate remains the same for fiscal year 23. The county continues its investment in the Broward Municipal Service District, which ref is reflected in a 9.78% growth in the property tax roll. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $7 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Is there anybody from the public that wishes to speak on this item? Seeing no one from the public, I'm closing to the public and I will take comments from the county commission. Seeing no one from the County Commission, Second. is there a motion on resolution number 2022-563 establishing the tentative millage rate for the Broward Municipal Service District? It has been moved by Commissioner Bogan. Second. Is there a second? No. It has been seconded by Senator Geller. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-564 adopting the tentative budget for the Broward Municipal Services District? So moved. It has been moved by Senator Geller. Is there a second? Second. It has been seconded by Commissioner Furr. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, say no. Let the record show that that passes seven to zero. The public hearing on item B, the Broward Municipal Service District millage rate and budget, is now closed. The public hearing is open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal, Municipal Service District to provide funds for fire rescue services in the unincorporated area. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 2.6191, one, 
which represents a 9.78% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 2.3857. The county administrator will now give uh, an overview of the Fire Rescue Municipal, Municipal Service District tax rate. County Administrator. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. The Fire Rescue Municipal Service District millage rate remains the same for fiscal year 23. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $7 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Thank you. Are there any speakers from the public here? Seeing no one from the public, I'm closing from the public Move and I'm approval. opening the comments for the commission. Seeing no one from the commission, is there a motion on resolution number 2022-565 establishing the tentative millage rate for the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District? It has been moved by so Senator moved. Geller. Is there a second? Yes. Second by Vice Mayor Fisher. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-566 adopting the tentative budget for the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District budget? Move approval. It is moved by Senator Geller. Is there a second? Seconded by Commissioner Bogan. Well done, sir. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes 7-0. The public hearing on item C, the Fire Rescue Municipal Service District millage rate and budget is now closed. The public hearing is now open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the street lighting sub-district to provide funds for street lights in portions of the unincorporated area. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 0.3743, which represents a 13.63 increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.3294. The county administrator will give an overview of the street lighting sub-district tax rate. Thank you again, Mr. Mayor. The street lighting sub-district tax rate remains the same for fiscal 23. The average homestead property owner will pay approximately $1 more than the prior year based on the increase in property values capped by Save Our Homes. Do we have any speakers on the street lighting sub-district? Seeing no one, is there anybody from the county commission that wishes to speak on this? Seeing no one, is there a motion on resolution number 2022-567 establishing the tentative millage rate for the street lighting sub-district? Second. Who moved it? Bogan. It has been moved by Commissioner Bogan, second by Senator Geller. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-568 adopting the tentative budget for the street lighting sub-district budget? Moved by Senator Rich. Is there a second? Second by Commissioner Fur. Second by Commissioner, uh, Vice Mayor Fisher, I, I, I caught. Yeah. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. The public hearing on item D, the street lighting sub-district millage rate and budget is now closed. The public hearing is now open on the proposed special assessment within the Fire Municipal Service District. This non-ad valorem assessment provides funds for fire services in the unincorporated area. The county administrator will give an extensive overview of the proposed fire and non-ad valorem assessment rates. Thank you again, Mr. Mayor. 
Fire assessment rates remain the same for fiscal 2023 as detailed in Appendix C to Resolution Number 2022-569. Are there any speakers? Seeing no one from the public, is there anyone from the Commission? Seeing no one from the Commission, is there a motion on Resolution Number 2022-569 establishing the special assessment rates within the Fiery Municipal Service District? Move approval. I have a motion by Vice Mayor, uh, by Senator Geller, second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes seven to zero. The public hearing on item E, the fire special assessment is now closed. The public hearing is now open on the proposed special assessment within the garbage and trash collection municipal service district. The county administrator will give an overview of the proposed non-ad valorem assessment rate. County administrator. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Single family homes and multifamily complexes with nine units or less that pay this assessment will experience a change for fiscal year 23. The rate is increasing by $20 from $310 to $330. As you are aware, the community is particularly focused on the rising cost of waste disposal, a national phenomenon. This, along with the cost for pickup, results in this change. Are there any speakers from the public that wish to comment on this? Seeing no one from the public and seeing no one on the county commission, is there a motion for resolution number 2022-570 establishing the special assessment rates within the garbage and trash municipal it. service district? I have a motion by Commissioner Farr, <laughs> seconded by Commissioner Farr. No, he can't do both. No, he can't do both. He's just making the motion. It's seconded by Vice Mayor, uh, by Senator Geller. All in favor? Yeah, all in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that it passes 7 to 0. The public hearing on item F, the garbage and trash special assessment, is now closed. We're now going to move into the water control district number 2. The public hearing is open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for the water control district number two. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 0.1231, which represents an 8.65 increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.1133. Are there any speakers? Seeing no one, is there anyone from the commission? Seeing no one, is there a motion or resolution for number 2022-571, establishing the tentative millage rate for Water Control District 2. It's been moved by Senator Geller, second by Senator Rich. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes 7 to 0. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-572, adopting the tentative budget for the Water Control District number 2 budget? It has been moved by Vice Mayor Fisher, sec seconded by Senator Geller. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes 6 to 0. The public hearing on item G, the Water Control District 2 millage rate and budget is now closed. Are we good or does anybody need a break? Well, let's keep going. Okay. The public hearing is okay. The public hearing is open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for water control district number three. The proposed millage rate is 0.1542, which represents an 8.98 increase in property taxes as compared to the rollback rate of 0.1415. Is there anybody from the public that's here to speak on this? 
Seeing no one, is there anyone in the commission? Seeing no one, is there a motion on resolution number 2022-573 establishing the tentative millage rate for water control district number three? It's been moved by Senator Geller. Is there a second? Second by Commissioner Bogan. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes six to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-574 adopting the tentative budget for the Water Control District 3 budget? It's been moved by Commissioner Farr and seconded by Senator Rich. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Please show that that passes six to zero. The public hearing on item H, the Water Control District 3 millage rate and budget is now closed. We are now on the Water Control District 4 millage and budget rate. And man, we should combine these water districts. Get up to Tallahassee and figure this out. The public hearing is open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for Water Control District number 4 and its three sub-districts. The proposed millage rate for sub-district 4A is 0.0146, which represents a 6.57% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.0137. The proposed millage rate for subdistrict 4B is 0.0318, which represents a 15.22% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.0276. The proposed millage rate for subdistrict 4C is 0.1276, which represents a 9.53% increase in property taxes as compared with a rollback rate of 0.1165. Anybody from the public? Seeing no one from the public, anyone from the commission? Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-575 establishing tentative millage rate for water control district four and its sub-districts? It's been moved by Senator Geller. Second, second by Commissioner Farr. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed, please show that that passes six to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-576 adopting the tentative budget for the Water Control District 4 and its sub-districts? It's been moved by Senator Rich. Is there a second? Second. It's been seconded by Vice Mayor Fisher. All in favor, all in favor <laughs> signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Please show that that passes 6-0. The public hearing on item 1, Water Control District 4 millage rates and its sub-districts, is now closed. We are now on to the Kokomar Water Control District. My favorite. The public hearing is open on the proposed millage rate and tentative budget for unit area number 1 of the Kokomar Water Control District. The proposed millage rate for this purpose is 0.1446, which represents a 9.38% increase in property taxes as compared with the rollback rate of 0.1322. There is no one from the public left here, so I don't think there's anybody else speaking. Uh, anyone from the commission? Seeing no one from the commission, is there a motion on resolution number 2022-577 establishing the tentative millage rate for unit area one of the Kokomar Water Control District? It's been moved by Senator Geller. Is there a second? I thought it was Norm that was seconded, but I'm going to give it to Beamfar. <laughs> There's a motion and a second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 
Uh, opposed? Please show that that passes six to zero. Is there a motion on resolution number 2022-578, adopting the tentative budget for the Kokomar Water Control District? Move approval it's for been, Kokomar. It's been moved by Senator Geller. Is there a second? Second by Senator Rich. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Please show that that passes six to zero. Though, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. We're really working. Norm and Jennifer, thank you for the large font. You guys are super <laughs> awesome. The public hearing on item J, the Kokomo Water Control District millage budget rate is now closed. Dear everybody, there will be public hearings to finalize the county's millage rate and budgets at 5.01 p.m. on Tuesday, September 20th, right here in the Broward Governmental Center, room 222-115 South Andrews Avenue in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Everyone will be here. We expect you to be here too. All the public is welcome. Uh, this concludes this public hearing. Madam I, County I, Administrator. I just wanna make sure that what you said, the room number was room 422. I said 422. Did I say 222? Okay. That's the meeting TV will be Tuesday, show. September 20th at the Broward County Government Center, room 422, 115 South Andrews Avenue. I thought it was okay. Anybody else? Be there. Thank you all for your square. behavior. You all did a great job. With that, we are. Yeah. I think we all need.